What's going on everybody? My name is Alex and welcome to another update on the channel. I wanted to take the opportunity today to talk about the state of the market. Well, as we all know, anybody who is invested in tech, crypto, or in growth has not had a very easy few months to say the least. But it seems like things are slowly turning around as we've seen a renewed interest in the Reddit stocks like AMC, BlackBerry, and Bed Bath & Beyond. Also, a lot of stocks that I personally hold have been going up like crazy, like Tattooed Chef, Fubo, Clover, that's just to name a few. But anyways, with all of that being said, I wanted to talk about the market today and just give a quick update about what I'm doing with my positions. Do I think there's a possibility of another crash? And overall, has my thesis changed at all? With that being said, let's hop right into the video. And before anything else, of course, let's finagle this bagel. So the first thing I want to talk about today is a TikTok, actually, that somebody sent to me in my private stock group, which exposed a lot of things that could seem very potentially worrying. This could potentially be an indicator of a future crash. So let's start by taking a look at a few statistics here. The stock market is currently at the peak overall market valuation the United States is currently at peak debt. Next up, if we move to market cap to GDP ratio, we're pretty much at the peak. Moving on, peak corporate debt. Moving on, peak household debt. Then on top of that, we have 35% of all US dollars that were printed in 2020, which is a very strong indicator of upcoming inflation. And then something that's obviously very worrying is the fact that the Fed might have to raise interest rates in order to combat that inflation. So what does that do? With everything that I just said, you might be thinking, damn it, I'm going to sell out of all my positions. I'm going to go into puts. But before you do that, hear what I have to say. Hear me out. Because what's important in this situation is to have an ongoing discussion, is to be informed about what's going on, what could potentially happen, what has happened in the past, in order to make the most and best fitting financial decision for your own portfolio. So look, with everything that I said, I have to admit, it is worrying, I'm not going to lie. But at this point, a relevant debate that we need to have today is whether or not the economic environment actually justifies having higher multiples. Let me give you a few arguments. First of all, our financial systems are much more robust than what we had in 08. Back in 2008, the banks were engaging in a bunch of fraudulent activities, which were artificially pushing up asset prices with extremely shaky fundamentals, and it's no wonder that we saw financial collapse. But, as we know with the laws of natural selection, which, by the way, if you didn't know, don't only happen in nature, they happen everywhere, people learn. And so, right now, our financial systems are much more robust. They are much, much, much more regulated. Now, of course, there are shaky assets out there, I'm not going to lie, but the point is that nowadays there are many regulations that have been put in place in order to avoid what happened in 08. Nobody wants that happening again. So that's argument number one that justifies higher multiples for our economy. It just means that our economy can support higher multiples. There's not as much risk, in other words. Argument number two is that unlike 02 or even 08 that we can say, is that fundamentals are today much, much stronger than what they were in the past. And we can arguably back up higher multiples than before. So yes, perhaps your stock is trading at a 35 PE instead of a 25 PE 10 years ago. Whatever is the case, it's not only the financial systems that are more regulated and more robust, it's also the companies in our economy which are more robust today as well. 
of course, with time, you also have advances in technology and things like that. So it's not an obvious answer. That's all that I'm going to say today. We're not necessarily in a bubble, even after tech and growth has crashed in the past months. We're not necessarily in a bubble. Another thing that's worth pointing out, which is very obvious, is that markets can stay overvalued for many years. We've been essentially in a massive bull run since 08, 09. Retrospectively looking, the 2020 crash wasn't even much. But all that to say that markets can stay overvalued for years. Uh, and timing a crash is never a good idea. You can miss out on amazing, amazing gains. The market looked very, very overvalued in 2017, 2018, 2019. And it was worrying. I was following the debt to GDP ratio. I was following the corporate debt. I was following the market valuation, the Schiller PE, all of that. So you get my point. Moving on, another thing worth mentioning is that some sectors in the stock market have already decently corrected. If you're watching this video, you're a retail investor, I'm guessing that you have quite a big portion of your portfolio in tech and growth. Well, as I'm sure you've experienced, is a quite a decent correction. I, some of the positions I own have corrected over 40-50%. So even though we might call the market overvalued, it might not be the case for specific stocks. Keep that in mind. The past week have offered us extremely great buying opportunities, and I've been very, very active in my private stock group. If you want to join, by the way, it's the link below. Anyways, another point that I want to touch upon, interest rates. Seeing as interest rates were lowered, companies were able to borrow money, to borrow a lot more money than they would normally be able to. The government did this because they wanted to help fuel the economy. That's what, they, that's what happens when you lower interest rates. Well, what does that do? Debt essentially is a tool that fuels the money velocity in the economy. Debt can be used for anything. Companies with all that money, companies were able to do acquisitions, fund different projects, employ a lot of people. And that essentially has a ripple effect through the economy and through our stocks as well. So on one side, you have that our economy is doing freaking well. If you look at any standpoint, we've had tremendous growth in the past six months. There's no denying that. And especially now with the reopening, pretty much everyone I know is itching to get back to a more normal life. People have never saved more money in their lives. They're ready to go outside and spend it. On that front, I'm not worried at all. The economy is in a great state. But the fear is that companies who have become dependent on raising levels of debt are at a much higher level of risk than companies with very strong balance sheets and income statements. Why? Now, let me just explain this very quickly. So say the interest rate right now, this is hypothetical. Say the interest rate right now, companies can borrow money at 0.25%, which is a very low rate, by the way. Well, say the Fed increases interest rates to 0.5%. Well, 0.5% is still incredibly low. But keep in mind, actually, 0.5% represents double 0.25%. And if you double the cost of borrowing money for companies, and especially talking about companies who are dependent on debt in order to survive and continue fueling expansion, you got a real problem here. So in this case it's important to focus on companies which are cash flow generating. If you really want to be safe, look at companies that produce free cash flow because you want companies that are going to survive with or without debt. That's my spiel on debt. Moving on to the next point, I want to talk about inflation real quick. Is inflation good or bad for the stock market? Historically, there has been very low correlation with inflation and growth or times when there wasn't growth in the stock market. It all depends on the quality of the economy. 
the fundamentals of the companies that you're investing in. And by the way, this is just a gross generalization, but I do want to mention the point that what inflation does is that it creates fake value. It makes everything look bigger than it is. Your loaf of bread might cost, normally it might be $3, but this year it might be $4, but it's still a loaf of bread. The value of the loaf of bread has not changed. It just, your stock looks like it's worth more, but in fact, it might not be worth as much. That's essentially the definition of inflation. It's the value of every single dollar being less. So anyways, those were a few arguments for and against being worried about the state of the market. With all that being said, and look, I don't want this to be a 10 minute video, although I have no idea how long it's gonna be. <laughs> so here are my final thoughts about what's going on and what I'm doing personally. As of now, I'm currently 90% invested in the stock market. Now, I know a lot of people in the past few weeks when tech and growth was going down, they were just buying the dip, buying the dip, and within two weeks, they had no more money. Personally, when I put in money into the market, I like being 100% convinced that I'm buying the stock, number one, of a great company, and second of all, at the right time. That's important to me. So I did not pile my cash into the stock market. I still have 10% of my wealth left in cash or in cash equivalents, which is potential dip buying money. Now, 10% doesn't seem like a lot, but it's because I have a plan. Now, recall a few seconds ago, I just said 10% of my wealth held in cash or in cash equivalents. Speaking of cash equivalents, the asset I put my money into back in February when the market was extremely hot, I personally was a bit uneasy back then. I put a lot of my money into SPACs, particularly in $10 SPACs, which I consider to be cash equivalents. Now, I know that some SPACs do go slightly below 10 and by the way, I have redeemed some of them for $10 exactly, and it works. Just call up your broker. I'm personally with Quest Trade, and it worked like a charm. No problem. If I had to break down the 10%, I'd say it'd be about 3% actual cash, 7% $10 SPACs. So say the market was to crash lower. I have three steps that I'm going to do, and this is not in any particular order. Number one would be obviously selling my $10 SPACs in order to create liquidity. Now, I previously had more than 30% of my portfolio in $10 SPACs. So as you can see, I've already started liquidating some of those, which is by the way, a bit unfortunate because I do like some of these SPACs, but then again, the point during crash, what's really important is concentrating your money in your highest conviction stocks. So anyways, I had to sell those sometimes at a one to 5% loss, really not a big deal. The second part of my plan, currently the majority of my portfolio is in a margin account. Unfortunately, I don't have any tax-free options left. I'm in Canada, my TFSA, RSP, not an option anymore. I currently have a margin account with Questrade. Unfortunately, my options aren't as advantageous as what it is in the United States. Uh, I know that in the States, some people have 1.5 to 2% margin interest fees annually, uh, which is really incredible, by the way. But still, for me, it's 6%. I'm not currently incredibly keen to go on margin, but... Say I exhaust all my options, I will start going on margin. I think that 6% is not too much of a big deal. Option number three, if things start getting extremely bleak, if we see the market crash and some of my securities go down 70%, 80%, I might consider an interesting strategy. And this was actually brought to my attention by a YouTuber that I respect tremendously and who I follow almost on a daily basis. And that is, call me cheesy, but... Meet Kevin. I think he's great, and I've actually been following him for years. But anyways, he brought a special kind of strategy to my attention, which is if things are looking extremely bleak, you actually sell your shares. Now, I know you're thinking, 
why the heck would you sell your shares at a loss? Well, you sell your shares at a loss, which allows you to write off those losses and diminish your capital gains tax. So at the end of the year, that's an advantage, but that's not the main thing. So you sell your common shares. For the same amount of that money that you sold it at, you transfer your shares into leaps. Now, for those who don't know what leaps are, leaps are long-term call options with expiries, which could range between 400 to 600 days out. So it's about two years out. When I heard that strategy, um, I think my eyes lit up. I, it's just something that really resonated with me. I'm not very risk-averse, personally, but at the same time, I don't do YOLO investments like AMC or whatever, uh, although I do day trade it sometimes. But that, that aside, in my opinion, I think that two-year-out options is not that risky if you think about it. If you really know the stocks that you invest in, if you really like them and you have high conviction, you've done your research, you know that these are revenue-generating, cash-flow-generating companies with strong balance sheets, then what's the stress? If you just look at moments where the stock market has crashed and when stocks crash, option premiums tend to be incredibly low. And that's part of my plan of what I'm going to do if the stock market continues or starts crashing. And I've actually already started doing that with my highest conviction stock, which is CleanSpark. Yeah, approximately 17% of my portfolio is in CleanSpark at the moment. I never thought that I'd have such a high concentration in my portfolio, but at the same time, CleanSpark is my highest conviction stock. I've made multiple videos on the company, and if you're interested, you can check them out. But long story short, the stock is currently trading at, I think it's $17 today as of the moment of recording. I think the stock has an easy chance of going to 50, 60, 70, 80 dollars by the end of the year without a problem. Just look at the company's growth, just look at their, they just hit profitability, they're doing acquisitions left and right, the management is incredibly competent. This is not a video about CleanSpark, but all that to say that I concentrated my portfolio in my high conviction stocks. When I saw CleanSpark hit 13 dollars, I can't tell you how heavy I went, I went heavy. I loaded the boat. I loaded the boat on shares, and I loaded the boat on options. The reason why I did both is because the state of the rest of my portfolio was still in a very strong state. But say things were going to get a lot worse and we were going to see most of my portfolio go down by big amounts. Well, then in that case, I would start considering actually selling my CleanSpark shares and purely going into options. But as of now, I'm about 50-50 between shares and options. And that's a wrap. There you go. I'm guessing that this was a long video and I'm sorry that it took this long, but there was just a lot to talk about. So yeah, if you found any value in this video, I would really appreciate it if you could drop a like for me. That would mean a lot. Also, I've talked about a lot in my private stock group about my different strategies. Every single day, when I buy, when I day trade even, I send signals to my stock group so that people can learn from my trades and see what I'm doing. We also have a section in my stock group where we have discussions about different stocks, interesting companies, and things like that. I also get to share my portfolio, videos in advance, my watch list every single day, what I'm looking at. Every time I see a piece of news that's interesting, I share it to the group. I also have a motivation tab. It's a lot of great fun, and I really hope that you join. It's only $4 for the moment. By next week, it's gonna be $6. So if you wanna get your last chance to hop in on $4 a month, it's now or never. Thank you guys so much for watching. I really appreciate your time and I hope that I brought you value. Thank you guys so much for watching. See ya. Bye.